arrival of COVID-19 has come as a catalyst for changes that were already in motion. An example is working from home. In 1975, Professor Jack Nellis published a paper in the Journal of Transactions on Communications. It was verbosely titled Telecommunications and Organisational Decentralisation. The paper explored teleworking and decentralisation as a solution for relieving the pressures on the traditional centralised urban structure. Nillis cited phenomena such as urban sprawl. Essentially, that's the development of low quality, low density, and highly automobile dependent urban regions. It's a discussion of the regional inequality and weak urban planning, which Nillis argues could have been mitigated by having the population work from home. A year later, Nillis corroborated his earlier arguments with three of his colleagues from the University of South Carolina in the Journal of Systems, Man and Cybernetics, where he again looked at telecommuting as a solution, but this time as an alternative to urban transportation congestion. Nillis's work instigated a fierce academic debate on the future of the office, which became ever more prevalent with the arrival of Tim Berners-Lee's World Wide Web, less than a decade on in 83. Five years on from the official ushering in of the internet, there were 2.5 million telecommuters in the United States alone, roughly 2% of the total workforce. By 1996, that figure had multiplied to 8.5 million members, more than quadrupling the adoption rate to nearly 8.3% of the United States workforce. The data came from a 1997 study by Patricia Mokhtarian, who was a prominent author in the field, Ilan Salomon, who has before written about the detrimental impact on working from home, and two other established professors. The most recent figures from the United States Office of Personnel Management suggest that telework participation is in excess of 20% of the entire US workforce. COVID-19 has been a phenomenal practical experiment in the feasibility of homeworking. And the message from corporate leaders is that employees can be equally or even more productive working from home. Whilst this of course varies between sectors and specific roles, this has underpinned the validity of adopting a more flexible approach to mobile working. Indeed, several firms, namely Twitter, have already announced a longer term commitment to empowering home-based working. A move to mobilising the workforce en masse could serve to be a powerful corporate cost containment exercise but also pander to the needs of the modern worker, to whom flexible working may be more suitable. Their lives have understandably evolved over time. The move could also support the pan-continental goal of reducing GHG emissions. The businesses that can and have began to pivot their models will be able to gain the most from this structural tailwind. Already the markets have priced in buoyant growth in the areas of digital corporate infrastructure, that's networking, privacy, security, connectivity, and the likes. Conversely, valuations such as SoftBank's revelation of WeWork's most recent appraisal and the historical suspension of MNG's property fund foreshadow the future for commercial real estate, where lease terms are continuously undergoing downward pressure. I'd like to refer back to Nillis's evaluation as mobile working could be a solution for reducing regional imbalances and wealth inequality. The change could provoke the younger workforce to move outside of saturated capitals 
and render home ownership more feasible for many, as homes outside of key economic centres tend to be cheaper. The improvement in savings from the reduced cost of living would also be a net contributor. This is topical, especially as academics point to the waning in entrepreneurship amongst the UK's generations X, Y and Z, and highlight the role of home equity as collateral and a facilitator of entrepreneurship. Less of a social pressure on small businesses to host employees in a central office could also support businesses as they scale. Geographical mobility for those who previously weren't able to take up jobs in economic capitals will be another significant economic advantage. Jobs will become more accessible and employment will become more competitive. In theory, this should support the efficient allocation of human capital. This is just one perspective on how COVID may ignite a social revolution and restructure civic life. Thank you.